and welcome back to another episode of the Empowered Birth Podcast. You're in for a treat today because I have Kimberly Spencer back on the show with me for a second time. Not only her, but her son Colton joins us as well for his first podcast debut. Kim is sharing her exciting and emotional and empowered birth story with us. Kimberly Spencer is an award-winning high-performance coach and trainer, Amazon best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and the founder of CounterSelf.com, helping visionary leaders build their empire and stand out boldly in their full potential. Her work has been featured on The CW, ESPN, Netflix, Chicken Soup for the Soul, and NPR, and in Thrive Global, CNBC, and Forbes. Now, before we get into the show, I do want to remind you that the only way I can keep bringing amazing guests on the show and producing podcast episodes is because of my faithful Patreon supporters. If you want to support the show and at the same time join an intimate group of empowered women who are craving information on natural birth, get extra episodes, support, and group video calls while supporting the podcast, go to patreon.com slash empowered birth podcast and choose what support level you'd like to start at. Welcome to the empowered birth podcast. I'm Ally McLean, registered nurse, home birth doula, and former feminist. My mission is to guide you into the freedom that is God's design for femininity, birth, and motherhood. There's a movement happening of powerful women uniting around finding out God's best for us. You're going to find information here that you won't find in your basic childbirth education class. You'll hear stories of women and birth professionals who are experiencing the redeeming experience that birth can be. You're going to get all the information you need to confidently navigate your way from pregnancy to postpartum and beyond. Are you ready to go on a Holy Spirit-empowered adventure? Then stick around. You're exactly where you should be. Hi, Kim. Thank you for coming on the show again. I'm so excited because I think you are my first repeat interviewee. (laughs) I, I am so excited to hear. So we heard your first story, and that is back in an episode I will link in the show notes so that they can go back and listen to your first story. But now you are here. Your sweet little one has joined us and I'm so excited. He's just adorable. Uh, I hope you guys can see him. We should, we'll post a picture. Oh my goodness. Hi there, little buddy. So he is here and you're going to share your second birth story. So I'm so excited. Can you just give us a little update on where you are, who you are, and then you can just hop right into your birth story. Yeah. So I am Kimberly Spencer, as Ali said, and this is Colton Christopher Spencer, right? My love. And this is his first podcast interview. And so I am a mom of two under five. I have a business as well. And I am the main breadwinner for my family, which is fun. I say it like to my husband and I joke that I bring home the bacon and he just fries it up. And so my, and what's, what's interesting is like my business is in a very different place than when I had my first one. So being able to have like, it's a different, it's been a different transition to adapting to, to two and then 
with my business being in an entirely different place and also being in an entirely different country because we're living here in Australia, have been for the past two years since the COVID outbreak in March. And we just decided, we like to say that we we really manifested like living into our vision, which has always been to live abroad, to raise our kids abroad and traveling and learning and getting diversity of exposure of different cultures and different environments. And so it's been really great being over here in Queensland, not in in some of the crazy parts of uh, Australia, but in Queensland, it's been it's been wonderful where we where we're at in the Gold Coast and got to live by the beach for two years, and it's been it's been beautiful. Giving birth to this bubs was very very different because I didn't have the as much of a support. I had support, but I I had to rearrange my stories around the level of support that I had. So the the experience was very different than my first. With my first. Um, you can go back and listen to the episode, but it was 24 hours in labor. <laughs> and with this one, he was two weeks and one day late. Um, in California, they would not have allowed me to have a home birth had that been the case. And they would have required that I be induced. Um, but fortunately, I'm in Australia. And by being in Australia, they let you go up to 44 weeks. Wow. With, with your acknowledgement of choice of the risk of the, you know, the risk. And my midwife was wonderful. That was the first thing I looked for initially when I found out I was pregnant because, you know, we thought we're living our dream life in, in beautiful Queensland and the gold coast. Why not add another baby in the midst of a global pandemic? Like (laughs) in another country, like let's, let's give that a go. Yeah. But it worked out. And so we, so when I found out I was pregnant, I started, I knew I didn't want to give birth in a hospital because that's just not, not my jam. And I decided to give birth with a midwife, but I like, there are like no midwives here. Like it was really? basically, so there are so few midwives, midwives, basically in order to hire a midwife, I had to basically declare that I was aware there could be risks. And I was like, okay, but there were like no midwives to find except for one who just happened to be, of course, in divine manifestation, divine happened to be in the next city over in a suburb of the city that I live in, in the Gold Coast. And so I found her and I reached out to her and she had space and I met with her and immediately I just had this gut feeling that she was the person that would support me. The other midwife was like two hours away. There there really are like no midwives here. Who did it's you have challenging. to declare these risks to? Unfortunately, because my midwife is also a nurse and she works with the Gold Coast Hospital, she uh, it was just a, a statement saying that like I was I was aware that there were risks and that I could have had the privilege of going to meet with the doctors at the Gold Coast Hospital to where they would advise me that they advise against having a home birth and that it's much safer to have one in the hospital. Um, and I'm like, it aren't y'all over like extended by being in the midst of a pandemic. So that was my, my thought and reasoning. And then I was like, why would I want to, but fortunately I could decline that meeting. So I did wholeheartedly. And uh, that, that that meeting was offered to me several times and I still was able to decline. Unfortunately, my midwife is able to play. She was like, basically she's playing the middleman between me and, and the hospital system and just add, she's just my advocate and advocating for my state of choice. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You work it out, dude. He's teething and going through leap number five in relationships and struggling with a wee bit of constipation. (laughs) 
man, being a baby is rough. <laughs> there's there's a lot. You're feeling all the things. You're feeling all the things, aren't you? So we met with my midwife. I immediately got this like feeling that she was the one. And like I, I chose to, to work with her right off the bat. She was also a shaman and had helped refugees give birth. And so I was like, this woman knows what's up. So I met with her. And what I appreciated about her especially was that she was also very into education. And so there were things that I didn't quite know about hormones and things. And there were things that I didn't know about my, my first uh, birth where I had an episiotomy. And she was very much against having any medical, including breaking the water, including giving an episiotomy. And when she explained it to me, it was it like it made so much sense. And and while I I love the support of my first midwife as well, it just was a different style of practice. And and so that was a different experience with having someone who like I had to go against my go not go against my own beliefs, but yes question my first birth story with what had the interventions that had happened, which were only breaking my water and, and the episiotomy, but I didn't realize how different the healing would be after an episiotomy versus a totally natural childbirth. So fast forward nine months later, and then 10 months later, When this guy decided to just take his sweet ever loving time. Yeah, so he he took his sweet time. And I'll definitely admit that there was like the fear of intervention. There was the fear of going to the hospital. There was, and all those fears I had to really remedy because they were still, I didn't realize that some of the experiences that I had from my first childbirth actually had some fear attached to them. Like the fear of like what my doctors had said Uh before, like Uh I didn't really go through doctors, but I had to go to doctors for um, like ultrasounds. And I think also while I was pregnant with this guy, I lost my dad. And that was also a, um, a challenge to, to go through, but that's why his name is Colton Christopher Spencer, because Colton means from the dark town. Christopher means into the Christ life. And so from the dark into the, into the Christ light. And, and like, I couldn't think of a more perfect name, but I didn't, I, I thought for sure I was having a girl. I thought hands down 100%, this is a girl, this is a girl. And then at 20 weeks, two weeks after my dad died, I didn't expect to have another boy. And suddenly um, the, uh, the ultrasound tech told me that I was having a boy and I just, I cried so hard. The other fun part before I gave birth, before the actual labor, was at our first ultrasound. Dude, <laughs> he keeps on throwing out his nebbe. Oh, they call it a dummy in Australia. They call a pacifier a dummy. I don't like the word dummy, so we've <laughs> called, called it a nubby because we couldn't understand what my son, my four-year-old, was saying. He was like, he dropped his dummy. He dropped his dummy. <laughs> But he, we thought he was saying nubby because of his like little, little four-year-old voice. And so we just called it a nubby ever since. That's so cute. <laughs> but when we had our first ultrasound, my, my oldest son, uh, Declan, he was sitting in the ultrasound and we looked at him and we said, Declan, wave, wave to your sister. Cause we thought for sure he was a boy, he was going to be a girl. And Declan waves, he waved back. 
He, like his little arm shot up and went like this. Oh, it was so like sweet. I I lost it. I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And so to this day, my son Declan still says he has a sister in his tummy, and it's she's coming out in one hundred thousand days now because he still thinks for sure he is getting a sister at some point. <laughs> well, Kim, I mean, yes, I might come on this podcast a third time. Third time, I'd be good for that. But let's wait until I get into a different country. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> I think I think I'll just like have one in in a different country for each one. All right, it's time for me to share about one of my amazing sponsors. So, moms out there listening, are you tired of overpacking that heavy diaper bag every time you leave the house? Some of those bulky diaper bags hold more than you could ever need in like three lifetimes. There are things lost in the bottom of the abyss that you may never find again. Just the other day, I found my chapstick finally at the bottom of my diaper bag. I thought I had lost that forever. So I want to tell you about the baby bum bag by Diddy Co. This was made by mom's for moms. It's a beautifully styled green waist bag with gold styling that holds everything you need for being on the go with baby. You can ditch your heavy diaper bag and wear this stylish beanie pack instead. This baby bomb bag has matching diaper changing pad that fits perfectly inside. It's a fun palm leaf print. I love it. Has space for three to four diapers, travel wipes, and diaper cream. Plus, it has enough room for all the mom necessities, you know, like the sunglasses, phone, wallet, and small snacks. Everything you need for you and your baby will fit right on your hip, so you can be hands-free with all of your baby essentials within easy reach. Simplify your life and your diaper bag so you can enjoy the journey. Check out the Baby Bomb Bag at DiddyCo.com. That's D-I-T-T-Y-C-O.com. You will love simplifying your life and looking fashionable while you do it. And that that's, that is the cool thing is that like I have, because we banked my first son's cord blood and stem cells. And then this one had his cord blood and stem cells banked too. So we've got one cord blood and stem cells in the US. We've got stem cells in Australia. We're just going to have stem cells all over the world. Yeah, perfect. Like, And there's only one company that does it in Australia, whereas in the US there are a few. But yes, right? We got those, we got those good healthy blood cells. And it was amazing because I didn't think it was going to happen given my birth story. Because for two weeks I was having prodromal labor. I think that's how you pronounce yeah, it. Prodromal. Prodromal. Yeah, yeah. Where I was having all the, the false starts mm-hmm. and such. And this guy just was a little tease, weren't you? <laughs> he was being a little tease. And so, yes, you were, you were being quite a tease. Yeah. Oh and I, thought, <laughs> I thought for sure you were coming out. And then he was like, nope, not coming out today. And so, yeah, that didn't happen. So for the two weeks, it was it, I, like I took off time from work and from clients because I thought for sure I'm going into labor very soon. No, no, no. I had two weeks of waiting and those two weeks felt like an eternity because every day I was like, is it coming? Nope, not coming. Like, and then finally I went, I did a exercise with my midwife and we just surrendered because she said, I'm seeing that you have a lot of fear around 
him being late and him being even later, like even if you went to 43 weeks or 44. And she said, like, what is your body saying? And she really talked me through and coached me through the process because, and she told me the statistics that the, the, the risk of stillbirth really only goes up from 1% to 3%. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, we could induce if you're scared of that extra 2% of risk. That would mean that you're giving birth in a hospital. And we didn't want to do that, did we? And so I decided to wait and just see what happened and to trust. And it really was a deepening of the lesson that 2020 taught me, which was trust. This was like trust the sequel. And so from that, from that trust, I just, I kept allowing and kept like just surrendering. And I literally have one of my birthing affirmations still posted. So I said, it said, I trust my body and my baby to come in perfect timing. Mm-hmm. And so now I just crossed out my, my baby cause that I already birthed, but I crossed it out and put, I trust, I trust my millions of dollars and millions <laughs> to come in, in perfect time because it's the same lesson. It's the same that applies to finances. It's the same, like trust is the foundation of something that I work with on so many of my clients. And so I was learning it through this birthing process and deepening. And the beautiful piece was when I went into labor and mind you in each of my pregnancies and with my first, I did neuro-linguistic programming, timeline therapy, and hypnosis certifications, which shifted my mindset a ton and prepared my body in a different way. Throughout this pregnancy, I did breath work and I was getting certified uh, through BBTRS and and breath work for specifically trauma-informed breath work to be able to work with with victims of trauma from a somatic space. And I've had trauma in my past and that's why it interested me even more. And it was one of those gut things that I was like, I just feel like this is a course that I need to take, even though they said they didn't accept pregnant ladies. Wow. And And I said, they said, I think it might be too much for you. And for me, whenever anyone poses a challenge, I, I just accept it and raise them 10. <laughs> so that was uh, a fun challenge to accept. And I think it really prepared my body to give birth because I was able to deeply connect with breathing and also breathing through the grief that I experienced through losing my dad. Oh, wow. And so then when I found, when I started to go into actual like, labor. I, it it felt like just like, I felt like the, you know, the false contractions and whatnot. It felt like, Oh, you know, is this just another like fake out? Right. Is this just another fake? Are you trying to play games with me again? And so I, I never thought I would be that woman who'd be like, Oh yeah, you can go rest. You can go take a nap. Like you can go lie down because in my first labor, I was like, as soon as I felt the intensity of the contractions, I was like, Oh no, there's no way I'm sleeping. So it kept me in this contracted state. Whereas in this, this time I was like, okay, hold on. And then I would let it pass. And then I was like, okay. And then I went back to eating dinner. And then my husband was like, Oh, he said, they, they said, feel like they're coming a little bit more. And I said, yeah, hold on. Let me just, and I would just breathe through the surge. And I didn't think I was like, okay, let's see. You know, maybe if I go to sleep, then, you know, we'll see if it's still going. And if it's still going, then yes, I'm definitely going into labor. And if not, then I'm not. And then we'll just wait another week or until this guy decides to come out. Right. Right. <laughs> So I went to, and took a, took a rest and it was, that was around like nine o'clock. Um, not even, it was like around 10. And I, my husband, like, we just kind of looked at each other. We had, had dinner and I was like, yeah, 
might be a good time to, to go to sleep and, you know, we'll see. And so I woke up around one and I was like, hmm, just curious. And I was like, okay. And then I felt another surge and I was like, okay, all right. I, this is, this is still happening. I said, I think this is happening. So I went and woke my husband up around two and I just said, you know, Hey, I think this is it. We might want to start getting the birthing pool ready. We hadn't blown up the birthing pool. We didn't like, we had everything, but I was like, eh, I'm sure we'll have enough time. Like cause with, with Declan, it took 24 hours and I'm sure we'll have time to blow up the birthing pool. Not so, because <laughs> so I, within 45 minutes, I was in complete active labor. I told I, my husband, because my midwife said, oh, well, you know, let me know when you it's been, you know, the, the five minutes, contractions five minutes apart for an hour. And after 45 minutes, I was like, I think this guy's coming. I said, just text her, like, just give her a call, let her know. Fortunately, my doula, who had never been a doula, by the way, oh. like she'd always wanted to be a doula, but she had been my massage therapist throughout the entire pregnancy journey. And she had been, she was a fellow American living abroad. Uh, she fell in love with an Australian citizen. Oh. And she, so she was sort of like, the thing about massage in Australia is that not everyone ha is like really properly trained to give pregnancy massages. And she was, she was certified in California, went through like all the additional registrations and certificates and things to be certified for pregnancy massage. And so she just expressed that she'd wanted to be a doula. And I, I just what like my midwife had referred a few doulas to me and I just wasn't taking the initiative to reach out to them. And I was like, oh, this is very unlike me. Like normally if I want something, I'll like really go for it. And I definitely wanted a doula. And then it just like was a gut instinct thing of like, well, maybe Katie. And I said, well, would, would you be open to this? I said, because really my doula, like I'm good with the mental stuff. With, mm -hmm. with my first childbirth, I needed my doula for the mental aspect. But with this one, I said, it's really for the physical. Cause I know, I knew that from my last birth, I was so physically shot from my muscles holding me up. Like my shoulders were tight. My triceps were sore. My legs were sore. My lower back needed massage. And my doula for my first pregnancy was wonderful, but she gave a very light touch massage. <laughs> and, and so I knew with this, with my massage therapist that I could trust her to give a, a good massage to help release those muscles in between the contractions. And that's what she did. And so she came over at around like 3.15 and got there and she was like all ready. She had gone through my 14 page birthing plan because I was very thorough with all the homeopathics that I wanted and like every other thing for the contingencies of the what ifs and whatnot. Nothing happened, but she came over and then within 15 minutes, like my water broke and I was like, I, I was like, I think I have to go to the bathroom. And I went to the bathroom and I was like, Oh no, he's coming. Like <laughs> he's coming right now. And my husband <laughs> was on the phone with my midwife and she's like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. <laughs> she's like, oh I don't know if I'm she's like I'm driving as fast as I can, but she lived about 30 minutes away and she's like, I don't know if I'm gonna make it. Um, so she said, just are you okay with that? And I said, Yes, because I just knew in my gut, like I had the moment of the momentary thought of, oh my God, I don't have a professional here. And then at the same, like, I'm the only one who's done birth before. But then I remembered, I'm the only one who's done birth before. My body knows. Mm -hmm. I know how to do this. 
and I've done it naturally and it'll work out just fine. And my body will be able to, to stretch. And so there I was on the floor hugging over my four-year-old's like little step stool to the toilet. <laughs> and I hear my husband in the kitchen because he's he can't get off the water filter to like screw on the the full hose to fill up the tub. Like fortunately he filled, he blew up the tub, but he couldn't get the water filter off to fill it up. And he, I hear him like hammering away at that. And I, I just said, I said, I don't think that's going to be ready. And I just took command of the situation. And I said, Katie, turn on the bath. And she said, okay. And I, and I said, I need this. And I said, Spike, which is my husband's name. I said, Spike, I need you to stop that. I just need you to come here and be with me. And he said, okay. And he just came and he had to, he had Talitha, my, my midwife on the phone. And she was uh, there coaching me through on the phone. And she said, you know, just breathe. And then when I first had bent over, I was like, um, I I said, Katie, can, can you see anything? And she's like, no, no, it doesn't see anything. But I felt the surge and the push. And then the second push the second one she's like oh my god I see hair and then that was when I said Spike you gotta come in and so he came in and and the bathtub fortunately in our in our bathroom was was full to enough and once he'd gotten a little bit out not the, the whole head but just a bit um, my midwife said, okay, now, now's the time to get into the tub, get into the tub. And it was literally three pushes wow. and he was out. So the first push, his head came out and my, my midwife, got, uh, my doula got an amazing picture of my ass just looking fantastically glorious with the baby head. Like it was just, it was like, I, will, I have never loved my body more than that, than that photo. It was gorgeous. And then uh, my husband was concerned because he's like, he's a little blue, but he was kind of like that reddish blue purple. So he was, he was okay. And then my midwife said, okay, well, the next push is going to be the body. So like be prepared to catch. But fortunately he was, he was breathing. He was fine. My husband got to catch him and uh, he came. Now, mind you, like we had, I had like had planned to have my uh, his cord and cord blood banked and they weren't there yet. <laughs> and I was had planned on getting all of this and had having my midwife there and she wasn't there yet. And so I, we finally pushed him out and he was fine. He was breathing. He came onto my chest immediately and he just stayed there until my midwife got there, which was about, uh, she came about five to 10 minutes, like right after. And and then she helped my husband cut the cord. And then there was a, a, a significant, uh, not a significant, but uh, enough blood loss where she was like, you've been in the tub long enough. It's time to get you out. And so she helped get me out. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I'm telling your story, buddy. I'm telling your story. It's our story, my love. How about you stop spitting out your nubby? Huh? huh? How about you stop spitting that? Okay, you want more food. Okay, I got you. Okay, there you go. So he came out. He was fine. He was beautiful. He just uh, was so tiny. And the other part that we had been concerned about was you, my love. The other part that he had been that we had been concerned about was my four year old. Like, what do we do with him? 
Fortunately, we, because of the way our home is structured. So the other piece of the puzzle that we weren't quite sure of how that would work out was our, our, our four-year-old and navigating like what would happen if he was asleep. And ideally he's a really good sleeper. So we thought, I thought, well, best case scenario, we just move him from his bedroom because we were going to use his bedroom as the birthing bedroom into, because it was closer to the birthing pool into our bedroom. And then that way we'd be able to have that easy peasy lemon squeezy. Like he'd just sleep through the night. If that happened, the other beautiful piece was both his teacher and his principal and a a friend of ours also reached out personally and said, here's our phone numbers. If you need us to come pick up Declan, like let us know anytime we know how, how challenging that was. So like just the heart of that was and that level of support was so amazing to someone who had just lost her dad and was in a foreign country. I didn't have my mom and that had been part of the plan that I'd wanted to have my mom here. And there was just no way to get her here with visas and the borders being completely shut. So just being able to have that and know that that was present was such a gift. And it ended up where it was exactly like I had thought where my son slept through the whole thing. And so after I pushed and then gave birth, my midwife helped me with the the afterbirth. And I don't know if it's the case in Los Angeles or in, in the States, but in here, you can give Pertussin after the birth. Oh, the Pertussin? Like, or Pertussin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can give that after the birth to help the placenta be delivered faster. I don't know if that's the case in the U.S. I don't. Depends on what state and what state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I think it was, uh, in California, my, my midwife, she couldn't have anything. Um, but here she could. And I was like, you know, I, I didn't want any drugs while the baby was in me, but after I was like, let's get that, let's get that placenta out. Let's, let's get this process concluded. And that I was totally fine with, with doing that in order to get also, um, because I wasn't going to encapsulate my placenta because I did that with my first. And fortunately from that, I still had a tincture that my mom had shipped over of the placenta that I can use for forever because it's literally placenta and Everclear pretty much. And that that helped with the hormone shift back. But seeing like getting to hold Colton and just the the whole experience of doing this birth, I felt so in command of my body. And there's a difference between being in command and being in control. I wasn't trying to control it or force it or manipulate it to do something that I wanted it to do. I surrendered to the process, but I also commanded for what I needed for what the moment brought up. And that was something that I, I realized that power and that power also that I took into then my business as well, where, you know, sometimes weren't life happens, circumstances happen we can surrender to the fact that they happen and then command what it is that we need in that moment. What is it we need to be able to grow, to be able to have the support that we need. And so that was something that I I found within me that was so powerful that I will like, was, I will never forget because it was literally etched onto my bones as I gave birth to Colton, as well as the ability to trust myself and to trust my body and to remember that like, no matter what I've got, I've done this before. And even though there was nobody who had technically could guide me in that moment, my body knew what I was doing because I'd done it before and I could do it again. And to learn to trust and surrender to that, it was so powerful of a lesson. And so 
it was beautiful because then my my son woke up around six and my second son, Colton, was born around like 4.45. My other son woke up around six. So I'd had plenty of time to have the placenta, the afterbirth, just some time um, and to, to rest and to be really in that space of just receiving the support. The other magical miracle that I didn't think would happen was that the self care lady, the cell uh, cord blood banking lady, the nurse, she came, she ended up coming like about 10 minutes after my midwife and she was able to save the cells. She was able to like, even though, cause I had thought, okay, cause with my, with my first son, we cut the cord at about after about 60 seconds to retain the cord blood. That cord was attached to my baby for like 15 minutes and there was still blood and and cells left that they could bank so for stem cells so like that was such an amazing gift and blessing and that was also an expectation that i had to surrender and then be lovingly amazingly surprised and delighted by the fact that i could that that could happen and that that did happen and it was such a beautiful moment seeing Declan come in to to meet his brother because uh, he went to sleep without a baby and then he woke up and then there was one. And of course, he wanted to then perform for the for the infant child <laughs> and doing headstands and and cartwheels and breakdancing moves. And it was just it was it was so beautiful to also see that my husband can now add, you know, birthing a baby to his resume <laughs> because yes. like he literally like the first face that my son got to see was my husband. It wasn't some third party and it was, it was my husband. And it just showed that my husband and I can literally, when we're together and we connect, we can do anything. And, and can I just say that when a man births a baby or not births a baby, but helps with that, you know, that's like one of the most manly things that a man can do. Like talk about masculinity. That's it right there. Catch your baby. Holding the container to catch the baby, like supporting, supporting (laughs) your, your, your wife, your partner in that experience. And then just being like, babe, I got you. Boom. Yes. Oh my yes, God. You do, oh, babe. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's have another baby. That's that let's do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and and it was it was like that's that's honestly what I said, like pretty much after like oh. only within two weeks. <laughs> I said, you know, we could do this again. <laughs> and he's like, not right now. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk. Give it, give it like a year. All the horses. Let's see where we actually like end up living for a longer period of time. Oh. Yes. Okay. Wasn't that amazing? I just love speaking with Kim and Colton. Her story is just amazing, but I can't wait until you hear part two that is coming in two weeks. So stay tuned. In the meantime, go over to patreon.com slash empowered birth podcast and get started consuming more content in our private membership group. Thanks for joining and we'll see you next time.